exactly here. It's nothing but noise. What? Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, notwithstanding a little few technical difficulties, we are thrilled to have you tonight, and we are very honored by the presence of our president, Donald Trump, who is going to walk in right now, and we are about 30 seconds from air, so it'll be just in time, Mr. President. This is an NBC News special presentation of Today with Savannah Guthrie. Tonight, Donald Trump in the arena. His first primetime network appearance since falling ill with coronavirus. I'm feeling great. I don't know about you. How is everyone feeling? With tonight's debate canceled, the president faces our questions live and hears from voters about their concerns in the battleground state of Florida. It's great to be back in my home state, Florida, to make my official return to the campaign trail. With just 19 days to go, the president makes his case. My goal is to fight for you and fight for your family. From NBC News, Decision 2020, President Trump Town Hall. Live from the Perez Art Museum in Miami, here's Savannah Guthrie. Hi, everybody, and good evening. It's good to have you with us, and welcome to Miami and our town hall with President Donald Trump. And we want to say right off the top, this is not how things were supposed to go tonight. This was supposed to be a town hall debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. But after the president contracted COVID, the debate commission announced it would have to be a virtual debate because of health concerns. The president then said he would not participate in a virtual debate. At that point, Joe Biden scheduled a town hall tonight in Pennsylvania on another network, and now the president is doing the same, his own town hall with the same venue format and time as NBC's town hall with Joe Biden last week. So the two candidates go head to head tonight, though not face to face, each in a key battleground state. And tonight the president will be taking questions from voters here in Miami who we should mention are socially distanced and they're wearing masks. And, and I should say this audience looks a bit like America. It's divided. Some here voted for the president in 2016 and plan to again. Some support Joe Biden and some say they are truly undecided. We're going to get a mix of questions on a range of topics, and we're going to get to those questions in a moment. But first, with all that ado, welcome, Mr. President, and thank you for being well, that here. That very well stated, I have to say. Good job. Thank you. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're well. We send our best to the First Lady thank and to you. Barron. Thank you. Do you have any remaining symptoms from COVID? Nothing whatsoever. I'm great. I feel good. Uh, was in North Carolina today and did a big uh, rally with tremendous turnout. And I uh, just feel really good. Florida, Pennsylvania, we're all over the place. It's uh, been great. You received some treatments that are generally reserved for those with the most severe form of the disease. Yeah. How severe were your symptoms? In particular, did you have pneumonia? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, I didn't feel good. I didn't feel strong. I had a little bit of a temperature. The doctors at the White House are fantastic, as you can imagine. And they really didn't want to take a chance. And they said, let's go to the hospital. I said, that's OK. I'm going to, re you know, respond to what you say. And we went over to Walter Reed, where you have tremendous professionals. Uh, they gave me Regeneron and Remdesivir, both. And I just, all I know is I felt good the following day. I felt really good. And Did the doctors ever tell you that they saw pneumonia on your lung scans? No, but they said the lungs are, you know, a little bit different, a little bit uh, perhaps infected. 
and uh, infected you with. I don't know. I mean, I didn't do too much asking. I, I really felt good. I didn't have much of a problem with the lungs. I did have a little bit of a temperature. Obviously, I felt there was something missing. And then I tested, you know, I tested positive. Well, let's and, talk about testing because sure. there's a little bit of a, I guess, confusion about this. And I think we can clear it yeah, up. And there shouldn't your, be. Your first positive test was Thursday, October 1st. Okay. Mm -hmm. When was your last negative test? When did you last remember having a negative test? Well, I test quite a bit, and I can tell you that before the debate, which I thought it was a very good debate, and I felt fantastically. I, I was—I had no problem before. Did you test the day afterwards. of the debate? I don't know. I don't even remember. I test all the time. But I, I can tell you this. Uh, after the debate, like, I guess, a day or so, I think it was Thursday evening, maybe even late Thursday evening, uh, I tested positive. That's when I first found out well, about it. Well, back to the debate, because the debate commission's rules, it was the honor system, would yeah. be that you would come with a negative test. You say you don't know if you got a test on the day of the debate? I have no problem. Again, the doctors do it. I don't ask them. I, I test all the time. and they, Did you take a test, though, you, on the day you, of the debate? You know, if you ask the doctor, they'll give you a perfect answer. Yeah. But they take a test, and I leave, and I go about so my you, business. So did you take a test on the day of the debate, I guess, uh, is the bottom line? I probably line. did, and I took a test the day before and the day before, and I was always in great shape, and I was in great shape for the debate. And it was only after the debate, like a period of time after the debate, that I said, that's interesting, and they took a test, and it tested positive. So just to button it up, do you take a test every single day? No, no, but I take a lot of tests. Okay, and you don't know if you took a test the day of the debate? Uh, uh, possibly I did, possibly I didn't, but you know, the doctor is very accurate information, and it's not only that doctor, it's many doctors. The one thing, as you're, if you're president, you have a lot of doctors you're surrounded by. Mm. Uh, but I was in great shape for the debate. And sometime after the debate, I tested positive. Let's and talk about. That's when they decided to let's go. Okay, good. I, I, I hopefully provided some clarity for folks. Let's talk about the event that was held at the White House on the Saturday before you tested positive. Yeah. Subsequent to that, 13 people connected to that event tested positive. There was an outdoor reception. You've seen the pictures. There was an indoor reception. People yeah. were not wearing masks. My question to you is, at this point in the pandemic, knowing what we know, shouldn't you have known better? Shouldn't the White House know better than to hold an event like that? Well, they do a lot of testing in the White House. They test everybody, including me, but they test everybody. And something happened. But as far as the mask is concerned, I'm good with masks. I'm okay with masks. I tell people wear masks. But just the other day, they came out with a statement that 85% of the people that wear masks catch it. Well, so, you know, they this didn't is say a that. very I know tricky, that study. Well, that's, 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 a, that's what I heard and that's what I saw. And regardless, but everybody's tested and they're tested often. And I also knew that, hey, I'm president. I have to see people. I can't be in a basement. I can't be in a room. I can't be. I have to be out. You can see and people I with a mask, know, though, right? I can, but people with masks are catching it all the time. I mean, if you look at the governor of Virginia, he was known for a mask. If you look at Tom Tillis, a great guy, he always had a mask, and they caught it. Well, there are pictures of Tom Tillis, actually, with one of um, Judge Barrett's kids not wearing a mask. But, you know, Chris Christie, he was part of your debate prep. Yeah. He was, I believe, at that event. He came out tonight. He was sick, very sick. He was in the hospital for about a yes, week. I know he that. came out tonight and said, I was wrong not to wear a mask. Well, I mean, he has to say that. I think it's great. He's a friend of mine. He's a good guy. 
and uh, wrong or not wrong. You have to understand, as president, I can't be locked in a room someplace for the next year and just stay and do nothing. And every time I go into a crowd, uh, I was with uh, the parents of our fa fallen heroes. These people are the most incredible people. And they came up to me, and they would hug me, and they would touch me, and I'm not going to not let them do it, Now, to there be was an with event you. with the Gold Star was families exactly the day right. after the Supreme a Court event. A Gold Star event with the most incredible people you've ever seen. And I could have chosen not to talk to them or to keep everybody away. And you know what? As, and I don't think that's probably where it was caught, but maybe it well, was. Well, I was going to say, you bring it up. You brought it up yourself. I mean, are you trying to suggest that? Do you believe a grieving military family gave you COVID? No, I don't know where it came from. Okay. And you don't know where it came from, and the doctors don't know where it came from. Mm -hmm. But as the president, I have to be out there. I also know— Well, there's no one that says you can't be out there, but it's just about wearing masks and having— For example, your but rallies. I know this. Your rallies as don't require example, masks. Oh, no, I mean, let's see Kamala. She's got people now. That people have it. And I'm not blaming her. I'm not saying, oh, she did a terrible thing. As president, I have to be out there. I can't be in a basement. I can't be locked in a very beautiful room someplace in the White House. And I want to see the Gold Star families, and I want to see everybody. And I also say to people all the time, it's risky doing it. It is risky doing but it. But as it's president, risky you, you're right. You don't want to. You want to be a leader. But you also are a leader and a setter of an example. And if you're not wearing a mask when your administration is saying best practice right now is wear a mask, no, it's not foolproof. But many but people are catching it. Many people are getting this disease that was sent to us by China, and it shouldn't have been allowed to happen. But many people are getting this. And, I mean, nobody's being blamed. Everybody is working hard to get this thing out of our country, get it out of the world. Look at what's going on in Europe. Massive spikes. They've done a very good job, but now you take a look today at the U.K., you take a look at Spain and France and Italy, there's tremendous spikes. But it's our death rate is worse than, well, not Spain, but those well, other I have, countries. I have things right here that will tell you exactly the opposite. <laughs> Me too. So the U.K. is up 2,500 percent, because I knew you'd be doing this. I know you very well. The U.K. is up 2,500 percent. The EU is up 722 percent. And the United States is down 21 percent. But we have per, our deaths per capita is among the highest excess among mortality. Excess mortality. We're a winner on the excess mortality. And what we've done has been amazing. And we have done an amazing job. And it's rounding the corner. And we have the vaccines coming. And we have the therapies coming. And I'll tell you what. One thing. When I got it. I had a choice, do nothing or use some of the things that we're looking at, like, in this case, Regeneron. Yeah. And Eli Lilly makes something that's supposed to be incredible. And I think that maybe I wouldn't be doing this discussion with you right now. We have therapies now, and cures maybe. You can use the word cure. But we have therapies that are absolutely incredible. But I want to pick up on something you just said. You said we're rounding the corner. I believe now, we're rounding the corner. Now, 10 percent yes. of the country approximately has had COVID. That means. 80, 90 percent, 90 percent, let's do the math, is, is still vulnerable. Right, right. That's There's right. been some talk, including from the White House lately, that perhaps it approves of what's called herd immunity. That's where you basically just let young people and everybody get sick. You try to protect the old people and those who are sick, and hopefully it gets up to a certain level, and yeah. now we're all immune. Yeah. So let's just be clear about it. It also means more deaths. Do you support herd immunity as a strategy, essentially just let so, people get sick? The cure cannot be worse than the problem itself. We did the right thing. We were expected to lose 2,200,000 people and maybe more than that. 
We're at 210,000 people. One person is too much. It should have never happened because of China. It happened because of China. And you have to get that and understand that. But it shouldn't have happened. But we were expected to lose. If you look at the original charts from original doctors who are respected by everybody, 2 million, 200,000 people. That 2 million figure, though, is if you we literally did nothing. We 2 million people. The 2 million figure is if you did absolutely nothing, no. it would be 2 million. If the we, question is, if should, the did, death, should the deaths be better than 200,000 when I relative to the rest let, of the world we have a worse happening. death rate? I left North Carolina, which I love. I left Pennsylvania. We won a big case in Michigan because that governor has a lockdown where nobody but her husband can do anything. He can go boating and do whatever he wants, but nobody else can. The fact is we're winning all these cases because it's unconstitutional what they're doing. And I think they're doing it for political reasons. But the fact is the cure, you can't, you can't let this continue to go on with the lockdowns. Well, most and I believe states, that on November yeah. 4th, you're going to have a lot of these governors. Look at what's happening to New York. New York is a mess. They lost almost 40,000 people. They have a lockdown like you've never seen. Now they're open. It's like a ghost town. Let's get, people, let's get to and, and so that is very important. People are leaving New York by the thousands. And you're going to have a hard time ever building it up again. Let's so to, so yeah. that cure, that so-called cure that you talk about, it can't be worse than the problem. The problem is a bad problem. We've got more questions on COVID, okay. so let's drop Fine. it for now. We were supposed to, as mentioned, be watching you on a debate stage right now. We're not doing that, so let's clear up a few things from the last one. You were asked point blank to denounce white supremacy. In the moment, you didn't. You asked some follow-up questions. Who specifically? A couple of days later, on a different show, oh, you, you, you denounced white this. supremacy. No, you My question to you is, You've done this to why me and does everybody. it seem like... I denounce white supremacy, okay? You did I've two days later. I've denounced white supremacy for years, but you always do it. You always start off with a well, question. You didn't ask Joe Biden whether or not he denounces Antifa. I watched him on the same basic show with Lester Holt. And he was asking questions like Biden was a child. Well, well so th this so is a little bit ready? of a dodge. Are you, wait, are you listening? I denounce white supremacy. Okay. What's your next question? Do you feel, it feels sometimes you're hesitant to do so, like you hesitant. wait a bit. Here we go again. Every time, in fact, my people came, I'm sure they'll ask you the white supremacy question. I denounce white supremacy. Okay. And frankly, you want to know something? I denounce Antifa and I denounce these people on the left that are burning down our cities that are run by Democrats who don't right, know what they're doing. While we're denouncing, let me ask you about QAnon. It is this theory that a, uh, Democrats are a satanic pedophile ring and that you are the savior of that. Now, can you just once and for all state that that is completely not true so and that disavow QAnon yeah. in its entirety? I know nothing about QAnon. I just told I you. I know very little. You told me, but what you tell me doesn't necessarily make it fact. I hate to say that. I know nothing about it. I do know they are very much against uh, pedophilia. They fight it very hard. But I know nothing about it. They believe it, it is if a satanic like call to run by the deep state. I'll tell you what I do know about. 
I know about Antifa, and I know about the radical left, and I know how violent they are and how vicious they are, and I know how they're burning down cities run by Democrats, not run Republican by Republicans. Republican Senator Ben Sass said, quote, QAnon is nuts, and real leaders call conspiracy theories conspiracy theories. He may be Why right. not just say it's crazy and not true? He may be right. I just don't know about QAnon. You do know. I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know. You Let me tell ask me you another thing. It. Let's waste a whole show. Uh, you start off with white supremacy, I denounce it. You start off with something else, let's go. Keep asking me these questions. Okay. I but, do but have but one let, more let in me this just, Let me just tell you, what I do hear about it is they are very strongly against pedophilia. And I agree with that. I mean, I do agree okay. with that, and I agree but with it But there's not a strongly. satanic uh, pedophile I have no idea. I know nothing about that. You don't know that? that? Okay. No, I don't know you that. You just and this and neither week. neither do you know that. Okay. Just this week, why, you why retweeted. Why are you asking me about Antifa? Why aren't you asking me you about just, the radical you, left? You're why aren't you asking Joe Biden questions about why doesn't he condemn Antifa? Why does he say it doesn't exist? Because you're Antifa, here before me. Antifa, no, excuse <laughs> That's so cute. Antifa exists. They're vicious, they're violent, they kill people, and they're burning down our cities. And they happen to be radical left. Just this week, you retweeted to your 87 million followers a conspiracy theory that Joe Biden orchestrated to have SEAL Team 6, the Navy SEAL Team 6, killed to cover up the, f the fake death of bin Laden. Now, why would you send a lie like that to your followers? It. You I retweeted it. That was it. a retweet. That was a, an opinion of somebody, but and that was a retweet. I'll put it out there. People can decide for themselves. I don't the take president. a position. You're not like someone's crazy uncle who no, can no, just retweet no, no. whatever. That was a retweet, and I do a lot of retweets. And frankly, because the media is so fake and so corrupt, if I didn't have social media, I don't call it Twitter, I call it social media, I wouldn't be able to get the word out. And the word, well, the is, word is false. And you know what the word is? The word is very simple. We're building our country stronger and better than it's ever been before. Let's, and oh. that's what's happening, and everybody knows it. Okay, we you got a bunch of questions for you. We're winning in a lot of states. Okay. We're winning in a lot of states. You're going to see Let me ask, okay, I'm glad you brought up the election because I do want to ask about that. That's another kind of leftover item. A lot of people have asked you, will you accept a peaceful transfer of power? You have said repeatedly, the only way we lose this election is if it is rigged. Now, that is simply not true. The fact is, either candidate can lose fair and square without sure, ballot can, fraud. And, and so you know will what? you accept the results of lose, the election? that's the way I want it to be. But when I see thousands of ballots, right, unsolicited ballots being given out by the millions, and thousands of them are dumped in dumpsters, and when you see ballots with the name Trump military ballots from our great military, and they're dumped in garbage cans. That is a handful. We could go all night, which we won't, no, but no, we could go all night every day. one by one, a single case, a single day. You're talking about 150 million votes. Your own FBI director says there is no evidence of widespread oh, really? fraud. Well, then he's not doing a very good job. All you have to do is pick up the papers every day. 50,000 in Ohio, the great state of Ohio, 50,000 uh, in another location, I think North Carolina, 500,000 applications in Virginia. No, no, there's a tremendous problem. But let me just tell you, they talk about the peaceful transfer, right? They spied on my campaign and they got caught, and they spied heavily on my campaign, and they tried to take down a duly elected sitting president, and then they talk about, will you accept a peaceful transfer? And the answer is yes, I will. But I want it to be an honest election, and so does everybody else. When I see thousands of ballots dumped in a garbage can and they happen to have my name on it, 
I'm not happy okay, about that. Okay, but just those are case. I mean, there is no, there is in fact no evidence of widespread fraud, and you were sowing doubt how, about our democracy. You, how, how our democracy. How can you say that? You do read newspapers. I do. You do watch the news. Yes, I know you read the I news, do. but you watch it. I do. Because every day they're talking about ballots that are corrupt, that are fraudulent. And millions that are, are sure. being processed right sure. now. Sure, but you can win a race. Take a look at me. You can win a race by 1%. But why are you laying the groundwork for that right now? It's I'm like not. if I, I go play tennis happen. with my husband and I say my ankle's hurting you know right now. I don't want that to happen. Okay. Savannah, I want it to be clean. Okay. I, want, I really feel we're going to win. But I want this to be clean. Let's get but to it's sort of ironic that you and them talk about the peaceful transfer when I spent three and a half years fighting off these maniacs, and now it turns out, everything's there, that they were the ones that dealt with Russia. And it's too bad. Yeah, but okay. peaceful transfer, I absolutely want that. But ideally, I don't want to transfer because I want to win. Yes, and I think that your words will probably reassure some folks. Let's get to our first voter. We've got Jacqueline Lugo. Now, she is, I told you this, this audience is truly split between y'all. You are leaning Biden. She voted for Clinton in 2016. She's registered as an independent. Jacqueline, what's your question for the president? And you hold the mic up close and take off your mic because it's hard sure. to hear out here. Good evening. How are you? Uh, welcome to Miami. Thank you very much. It's beautiful. <laughs> Mr. President, if you knew COVID-19, as you told Bob Woodward in February... As, as what? As you told Bob Woodward in February was airborne and deadlier than the flu, why did you only put in place a travel ban from China and not put in place other measures mitigating the spread of COVID-19 potentially saving tens of thousands of American lives. Well, I did put it in very early, as you know. Uh, Joe Biden was two months behind me, and he called me xenophobic and racist and everything else because I put it in, and it turned out that I was 100% right. I also put it on Europe very early because I saw there was a lot of infection in Europe. And it's sort of an amazing question, and I appreciate the question and respect the question, but the news doesn't get out the right answer because I put on a travel ban far earlier than Dr. Fauci thought it was necessary, who I like, far earlier than the scientists. I was actually the only one that wanted to put it on, and I did it actually against the advice of a lot of people, including Nancy Pelosi, who had no clue what she was doing, and Biden. When I put on the travel ban, you know, I put it on in January, the end of January. When I put on the travel ban, Joe Biden and, and others said, this is ridiculous. You don't do that. Well. Dr. Fauci said I saved thousands and thousands of lives. Did you I was early. I was extremely early when I put on the travel ban. Can I ask you, did your national security advisor on January 28th in the Oval Office warn you that this would be the greatest national security risk of your administration? No, he didn't say it or you I, don't I remember? It, I read it someplace. Maybe Woodward said it or something. But no, he did not say that. But I knew it was a big threat. At the same time, I don't want to panic this country. I don't want to go out and say, everybody's going to die. Everybody's Isn't going to die. Isn't there a middle okay. ground? You don't no, have to mislead, but you can. No, no. No, there's not a middle ground. You have to be safe, you have to be vigilant, and you have to be smart. You're going to like this next couple of yeah, voters. Good. It's a mom and a daughter. Good. Mom, Barbara, voted for you in 2016. She's leaning to vote for you again. Now, her daughter was too young to vote last time. She's going to vote for her first time in a presidential campaign, and she is leaning Biden. So imagine the dinner table at their we'll house, you, okay? So, Barbara, why don't you go first and, and ask your question? Bienvenido a Miami. Thank you. Mr. Trump, as a frontline ER doctor working through the coronavirus pandemic, 
pandemic. Right. I know firsthand, and I've seen that many hospitals throughout the United States are suffering uh, financial hardships. These uh, economic effects are trickling down to the frontline workers. Right. We are being, uh, across the country, frontline workers are being fired, they're being furloughed, our salaries are being cut. And this is also happening in other economic sectors as well, including the travel industry and hospitality. Right. My question to you is, how are you going to get the United States back on track, both in terms of the economy and the pandemic? So it's happening. We just had a record, 11.4 million jobs. We are going to have a phenomenal third quarter, which will be announced on November 1st, just prior to the big November 3rd day, where I think you're going to see a red wave. But we're going to have a tremendous announcement, I believe. I mean, we're going to find out. But GDP is going through the roof. Jobs, uh, real estate, houses, so many things are happening. So people were saying we we're going to have a 42 percent unemployment. Look, this was a thing that came into our country, and it happened 100, more than 100 years ago, and it happened now. They were talking about a 42 percent unemployment Who rate. Who was talking it about came that? Out, I it heard just 20%. came out at 7.8 percent unemployment, and people can't even believe it. Our economy is going to be, next year, if we don't have somebody that raises taxes and quadruples taxes, which uh, they want to do and kills everything, our economy is going to be phenomenal next year. We're going to have a phenomenal. And, and I'll tell you, Savannah, we had the greatest economy in the history of our country last year, including the state of Florida, where we are now, and Pennsylvania, and North Carolina, and Ohio, every place. We had the greatest economy we ever had. We had to close it down. We saved two million lives. We're opening it up. We have a V-shape, and it's coming back. It's coming back very fast. One other thing, we really helped the hospitals. We've sent billions and billions of dollars to the hospitals. In addition, hundreds of millions of masks and gowns and we went into the ventilator business because this country was not equipped with ventilators and i'm not blaming anybody for it but we're now making thousands of ventilators a month and we have all we can use we're sending them all over the world because the world needs them so They've worked very hard and really very, very effectively. Thank you. Great question. Let's talk to Isabella and put the mic close to your mouth. Okay, go ahead. Mr. President, my parents are, as you heard, both frontline healthcare workers, and I have seen the physical and the mental tolls that this pandemic has taken on them firsthand, as well as the exacerbation of coronavirus due to Americans who are not wearing masks or participating in social distancing. After contracting COVID-19 yourself, has your opinion changed on the importance of mask wearing? No, because I was okay with the masks. I was good with it. But I've heard many different stories on masks. I mean, I had, you know, being president, you have people, they bring meals, they bring this. They, and I had a, an instance recently where a very wonderful person is bringing me a meal and he's playing with his mask and he's touching his mask all over the place. And then he's bringing a plate in and I'm saying, well, I don't know if that's so good. I mean, the good news, I didn't eat it, okay? I, did, I decided not to eat it. This was a month ago. But I look, look, you have on the masks, you know, you have two stories. You have a story where they want, a story where they don't want. I am all Lewis, for it. I don't get that because it's just all of your public health officials, your administration, they're in unison Chunk. about this. No. They're all in unison no. about it. The you, University of Washington, which is a, a, is a, a they have a model that your coronavirus task force relies on, says that if everyone wore a mask, 
you could cut expected debts in half. Yeah. And then 60, you have other people that Well, what does that Scott mean? Scott Atkins, if you look at Scott, Dr. Scott, he's from great guys, Stanford, he will tell you he's that he's not he an infectious disease you. expert. Oh, I don't know. Look, he's an expert. He's one of the great experts of the world. But I don't get it because you have so much power and influence as president. You could go it. to your, you could require way, it at your rallies I'm and you could say, don't everyone put on a mask right now. And the University of Washington says Savannah, you would save University lives. University of Washington, and you have other places say different things. You have a lot of, hey, Dr. Fauci said don't wear a mask, right? At first, but then everybody agreed. Well, I don't know that he no. changed his mind. But then you have a report coming out two days ago that 85% of the people wearing masks I looked at that it. report. It's not about mask wearing. It was neutral Savannah, on the question Savannah, of masks. we're on the same side. I say wear the mask. I'm okay. fine with it. Okay. I have no problem. We're on the same yeah. side. Let's take a break. We're going to get more questions right after this.
Miami with President Trump for a town hall. Live in Miami with President Trump for a town hall. Thank you again, Mr. President. We have another voter. Now, Christy Alonzo, come on out, Christy. She is leaning slightly towards you, she says. She voted for you in 2016. Christy, you ready? Take the mask off, hold the mic close, and let's hear your question. Thank you for your service, Mr. Thank President. You. Thank you very much. Um, we're a hardworking, middle-class family of four. My husband and I are both self-employed, and we have to get our own individual health care. As you know, health care costs have gone up considerably over the decades, and you had originally said you were going to repeal and replace Obamacare. What is your plan now in 2020 to make health care costs affordable for Americans like Good. myself? So we got rid of the individual mandate on Obamacare, which was the worst part of Obamacare. And now you could actually say it's not Obamacare, because that's how big it was, where you had to pay a fortune for the privilege of not having to pay for bad health insurance. So we got rid of that. That was a big, big thing. And by doing that, and we will always have, by the way, we're always protecting people with pre-existing conditions, and I can't say that more strongly. But we've been able to bring health care costs way down. Now, I took over Obamacare, got rid of the individual mandate, made it good, managed it much better. Remember, they had the $5 billion uh, website disaster and all of the problems they had. The problem with Obamacare, it's not good. We'd like to terminate it, and we want a much less expensive health care that's a much better health care, and that's where we're aiming. And if we can do that, and we have a very good chance of doing it, but we've also brought down the price of Obamacare. Problem with Obamacare, it basically is never going to be great, and I want to give great health care. Mr. So President, important. I got to thank follow you very much. On the pre-existing conditions, this is such a big issue for voters. It is a big issue for me, too. In point of fact, your administration is about to go to the Supreme Court to argue to That's throw right. out the rest of Obamacare, which includes the protections for pre-existing right. conditions. That's right. So your administration is in court right now trying to get rid of that protection. In order to replace it with a much better health care at a much lower price and always, under all circumstances, we are going to protect the Republicans. And I mean, maybe I changed the party a lot over the last three years. But we will protect people with pre-existing conditions. And Savannah, what I want to do, get rid of the terrible Obamacare. I've already done it to a large extent because, as you know, the, the individual mandate is gone. That was the worst part. You've repealed, but you haven't replaced. Now, you've been no, in, in office no. almost four years. We, what we you, have had, done. you had both houses of Congress, Senate and, and House in Republican hands, right. and there is not a replacement yet. That's right. I'm sorry, but if you look, we had both houses, and what did we do? We got rid of the individual mandate. But that the, went but through the, the legislature. the repeal and replace. Look, look, we should be on the same side. I want it very simple. I'm going to put it very simple. We would like to terminate it, and we would like to replace it with something that's much less expensive and much better. We will always protect people with pre-existing conditions. But if conditions. you're successful and in court if in November, those pre-existing conditions, that promise succeed, will be gone. If we don't succeed, we are running the remnants of whatever's left, because we took it apart. We are running the remnants of whatever is left much better than the previous administration, which ran it very badly. But we'd like to have new health care, much better and much less expensive. Let me get to question number five, and you'll like this. He's stuck in traffic. His name is Joe White. 
He is registered as a Democrat. He says he's leaning uh, toward Biden and, and Biden and voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016. And his question was, a second stimulus payment has been broadly agreed upon by the Republicans and Democrats, and yet now we're in October and it's still not passed. Why not use your office to make the second stimulus payment a separate targeted emergency relief package to help Americans weather the pandemic? Well, we've actually passed three packages, but when we're on our fourth, and I agree with him 100 percent. He should vote for me. The problem you have is Nancy Pelosi. She couldn't care less about the worker. She couldn't care less about our people. And we should have a stimulus. And I want a stimulus. The Republicans will approve a stimulus. The problem is she doesn't want to do it because she think it's, thinks it's bad for her election. The, tr the fact is, she's wrong, because people know she's in our way. She's not approving it. She doesn't appreciate our people. And she doesn't appreciate at all our workers. Nancy Pelosi, we are ready to sign and pass stimulus, but People she's got to People do not love the back and forth of Washington, but this has been a roller coaster. Back in early October, you one day tweeted, no more negotiations until, election, until after Election Day. I'm walking away. Then I think the next couple of days, right. you said, maybe we can do something targeted. Right. Then you said, I want a big, big bill. But then Senate Republicans said, no, we're not for that. So you're the matter. big deal maker. That's how come right. this is so, how, right. you yourself did, have did changed you positions. A, did you ever hear of a word called negotiation? We're negotiating, okay? But people are, people's lives are hanging you in know the what? balance. And you know who I'm negotiating against? Nancy Pelosi, because she doesn't want to give the money. We should have stimulus. This was not our people's fault. This was China's fault. And she's penalizing our people. I'm ready to sign a big, beautiful stimulus. You saw the other day, I say, go big or go home, right? That's what I'm I want talking it about. to be big. I want it to be bold. I want the money go to directly Are to Senate the Republicans people. with you? They're going to go big they'll for a big yeah, old number? They'll go. They'll go. They're going to be okay, very happy. Okay, so far, they have not I said know, they would. because were. I haven't asked them to, because I can't get through Nancy Pelosi. Okay. If but Nancy Pelosi and I, through my representatives or directly, I don't care. If we agree to something, the Republicans will agree to it. Okay. Our next question comes from, oh, this is interesting. She voted for Clinton in 2016, but recently changed her registration from Democrat to Independent. She says she's truly undecided. Her name's Becky Lightman. Hello, Becky. What's your question? How are you? I'm great. How are you? Nice to see you. Thank Good you. Good to see you. So. Corporate tax rates are a hot-button issue, and you have cut corporate tax rates, and your opponent, Joe Biden, is planning to raise them. Right. A lot of Americans think that corporations don't pay their share of taxes and want to see those tax rates increase. Right. What do you say to those Americans to maybe tell them why you want the corporate tax rate lower and why that helps them? It's a great question. We've created more jobs than this country has ever created. We were up to 160 million jobs. We were never even close to that number. We were just hitting 160 million jobs. Companies are pouring into our nation because of the tax rate. And if Biden comes in and raises taxes on everybody, including middle income taxes, which he wants to do, you will blow this thing and you'll end up with a depression, the likes of which you've never had. That's what's going to happen. We have something that's really good. The reason we're coming back so strong is because we built a very strong foundation. Companies are moving in. Car companies are moving into Michigan and to Ohio and to South Carolina and North Carolina just today. So what's happening is they're coming in because we reduced the taxes. Our taxes, our corporate taxes, were the highest in the world, and now they're among the lower taxes. They're not the lowest, but they're among the lowest. And what that means is jobs. But also, we're doing a very big, and we've done, a very big middle-income tax package. 
So if we get in, we're going to do the middle income tax package. But it's a great question. And if he comes along and raises rates, all those companies that are coming in, they will leave the U.S. so fast your head will spin. We can't let that happen. On the subject Thank of you. taxes, as you know, the New York Times has obtained, it says, years of your tax returns, among other things. It says that you have debts of approximately $421 million that you have personally yeah. guaranteed and that will come due in the next four years. The question is, on behalf of voters, who do you owe $421 million okay, first to? first of all, let me ask you, what they did is illegal, number one. Also, the numbers are all wrong with the numbers they released. And just so you understand, when you have a lot of real estate, I have real estate, you know a lot of it, okay? Right down the road, Doral, big stuff, great stuff. I'm very under, when I decided to run, I'm very under-levered, fortunately, but I'm very under-levered. I have a very, very small percentage of debt compared, in fact, some of it I did as favors to institutions that wanted to loan me money. $400 million compared to the assets that I have, all of these great properties all over the world, and frankly, the Bank of America building in San Francisco. I don't love what's happening to San Francisco. Well, do I hear you right? It sounds like you're saying $400 million biggest, isn't that much. One of the biggest office buildings. But are you, are, you, are you confirming that, yes, you do owe some $400 million? What I'm saying is that it's a tiny percentage of my net worth. That sounds and like, And you'll yes. see that soon because we're doing things, you know, We've given, I think it's 108 or 112 pages of financial detail to elections. And, you know, we have to file it as, as the president, as any politician, you have to file. Nobody ever looks at that. When they do, they see how incredible a company well, is. But more importantly, they see where this debt is. No, I don't owe Russia money. I don't owe, I owe a very, very small. It's called mortgages. Yeah. People have a house, they any put a mortgage. Any foreign bank, any foreign entity? Not that I know of, but I will probably, because it's so easy to solve, and if you'd like to do, I will let you know who, who I owe whatever small amount of money. I want to say two things. Number one, it's a very small amount of money. Number two, it's very straight. It's very, very straight. But it's a tiny percentage of the worth. Did you ever hear the expression under-levered? Yeah. I am extremely under-levered. Well, here's the thing. You could clear this up tonight by just releasing your tax returns yourself. I mean, I, that's well, what I'll, I understand. I think what. people are just wondering. As you know, you're I'm under only... It turned out that I am yes, under the They IRS actually, excuse me. No, no, but you but the accused, IRS says that doesn't stop you from you releasing. you accused me of not being under previously, and no, so did not. other people at NBC, and I am under you So are. that was solved. That's good. I am under no person in their right mind would release prior to working out the deal with the IRS. And I'll go a step further. I'm treated very badly by the IRS. They treat me very, very badly. You have people in there from previous administrations. They treat me very badly. But we're under audit. It's very routine in many ways, but we're under audit. They like to change the game, change the rules, do everything. You saw what they did with the Tea Party people. You saw what they did with the religious But to be groups. clear, there is no law or rule that, that prohibits you from releasing your tax no, returns. except common sense and intelligence and having lawyers that say, because I would love to release them, and as soon as we come to a conclusion, I will release them, and very gladly. But if you go to elections, and if you take a look, you'll see 112, I think it's 112, it talks about the income, which is rather massive. It talks about all of the properties, they have them listed. You can never learn more, but you know what happened? People went there, all the reporters went, there was like a feeding frenzy. This was originally when I filed it. 
and I file it every year. I update it every year. My son is here. They run the company. I don't run the company. You it know? also says that you, you paid know, $750 Savannah, you, in taxes in the, the, the year you were elected. Yeah, is that true or not? because that's a statutory number. It's a statutory. But it's is not that, that true? I think it's a filing number. You pay $750. It's a filing or a filing fee. Every, most people here probably no, pay more. No, I don't know. I, I can tell you this. If they have my tax returns, as you know, they have to go to jail. It's illegal. But their numbers were wrong. But let me tell you what else. Uh, I don't owe money to any of these sinister people. This has been going on for years now. Russia, Russia, Russia. It turned out to be a hoax. And it turned out to be that Hillary Clinton and the Democrats were dealing with Russia, not me. It's a whole hoax. So I would not mind at all saying who it is, but it's a very small. When you look at vast properties like I have, and they're big and they're beautiful and they're well located, when you look at that, the amount of money, $400 million, is a peanut. It's extremely under-levered. And it's levered with normal banks. Not a big deal. All right, let's take a break. We'll get more voter questions right after this.
live in Miami in the middle of a town hall with President Trump. Thank you again for Thank being you. here. We've got another voter, Adam Shooker. He voted for Clinton in 2016. He's registered as a Democrat and says he's supporting Biden. Adam, take it away. Thank you, Savannah. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Adam. Four years ago, Senate leadership said it was inappropriate to push through a nominee in an election year. Yet they fast-tracked your nominee for the Supreme Court just today. Uh, the question I have for you is, how do you, what do you say to the voter that thinks it's hypocritical to act in that manner and that they can't trust Republicans' word? So when I was elected and when a president is elected, they're elected for a period of four years. And Justice Ginsburg said it best, I think talking about President Obama having to do with somebody else, that the president is put there for four years, not for three years. So during this fourth year, it happened to come up, unfortunately, because I had great respect for Justice Ginsburg, but a vacancy happened to come up, and we picked somebody that's outstanding. She has been an absolute star, and I'm extremely proud of it. But again, plenty of time. I mean, there's plenty of time. We're going to do it before the election, but we also have much time after the election, but there's no reason to wait because it's almost unanimous, it seems to me, certainly within the Republican Party and, frankly, most of the Democrats within closed rooms. I guarantee you that this is an outstanding person. And I'm using my fourth term. And, and you know, if you look at it and if you put the shoe on the other foot, if they had this, they would do it 100 percent. So there's been 29 times when this has happened, all 29 times a president has done exactly what I've done. Can so. I just, I, to, to the voters' point, I'll just say that in 2016, you were on a, another show, actually another morning show, and you were asked whether President Obama should nominate a Supreme Court Justice Merrick Garland. And you said, I think the Senate should wait until the next president and let the president pick. Now, that was eight months before the yeah. election. This is three weeks so, before the election. I have a lot of respect, by the way. So you, you have changed your position on this. I have a lot of respect for Judge Garland. I want to tell you that. But I'll tell you, the, the whole ball game changed. When I saw the way they treated Justice Kavanaugh, I have never seen any human being, and I'm not just talking about Supreme Court, I have never seen a human being treated so badly with false accusations and everything else. I have never seen anything like it. And you know what? The truth is, Savannah, like it or not, the ball game changed a lot. There has never been anybody treated so badly as now Justice Kavanaugh. You've mentioned uh, that you would like to see Amy Coney Barrett confirmed to the Supreme Court in case any challenges come up in connection with the election. Yeah. Do you expect her to rule for you? I think she'll have to make that decision. I don't think she has any conflict at all. You know, a Supreme Court judge does not have, I mean, they can make their own decision. Uh, the, the, and they actually have additional power to make that decision. Uh, it would be totally up to her. I would think that she would be able to rule either for me or against me. Be, I don't see any conflict whatsoever. We have an election coming up. I think it's the most important election in the history of our country. If for any chance, and it probably won't, and I hope it doesn't ever get to the Supreme Court, but if it did, I would think that she would rule one way or the other. I would think so. But for you, you think she would rule for you? I have no idea. I mean, of course she'll rule because, one way or because, the other, but... believe it or not, I never asked her about it. I never talked about it. I didn't talk about any of the obvious things that you could talk about. And I think a lot of people in my position might but in speaking to a lot of very brilliant people and people that do this for a living, they say it's better not to talk. So I talk to her about life. I talk to her about the fact, would you like to do this? Are you willing to do this? Because it's a tremendous burden. The answer was yes. 
She is unbelievably well qualified, but I never spoke to her about these various questions. Let's get our next voter. She's leaning to you, Mr. President. She voted for you in 2016. She is a registered Republican. Her name is Mariah Green. Mariah, what's your question? Thank you very much. Thank you. Good evening, Mr. President. I'm honored to be with you here tonight, uh, sir, so thank you. I'm a pro-life millennial, and my question for you today is, if Roe v. Wade is ultimately overturned in the future, what protections would be put in place or kept for where the mother's life is in jeopardy in relation to high-risk pregnancies? Well, again, I'm not ruling on this, and Roe v. Wade is something that a lot of people would say, obviously, you're going to speak to somebody. I, I also, two other great justices, Justice Gorsuch and Justice Kavanaugh, I never spoke to them about Roe v. Wade. I never spoke to them about election laws. I never spoke to them about anything. And I've done the right thing from a moral standpoint. I don't even know from a legal standpoint, but it was the right thing. Uh, I think, depending on what happens with Roe v. Wade, I think that perhaps it could get sent down to the states, and the states would decide. I also think perhaps nothing will happen. Uh, I have not talked to her about it. I think it would be inappropriate to talk to her about it. And some people would say, you can talk to her about it. I just think it would be inappropriate. But what is your preference? Because it, it agreed, that's not something you should talk to the judge about. But would you like to see Roe versus Wade overturned? I would, I would like to see a brilliant jurist, a brilliant person who has done this uh, in great depth and has actually uh, skirted this issue for a long time, make a decision. And that's why I chose her. I think that she's going to make a great decision. I did not tell her what decision to make, and I think it would be inappropriate to say right now, because I don't want to do anything to influence her. I want her to get approved, and then I want her to go by the law, and I know she's going to make a great decision for our country. But you running with as the a pro-life Republican. Most pro-life Republicans would like to see Roe v. Wade overturned and abortion banned. Uh, many of them would. What do Perhaps you think? most of them would. I am telling you, I don't want to do anything to influence anything right now. I don't want to go out tomorrow and say, oh, he's trying to give her a signal. Because I didn't speak to her about it. I've done the right thing in so doing. Uh, how she's going to rule, you're going to find out perhaps, or you might not find out. I mean, it may never get there. It may never get there. We'll see what happens. All right. We have another question. This is Cindy Velez. She is undecided. She says she's leaning to Biden, and she did vote for Clinton in 2016. She's registered as a Democrat. Hi, Cindy. What's your question? Good evening, Savannah. Hi, Good Thank evening, you. Mr. President. Thank you very much. As the mother of a young male of color, I have raised him to respect authority, not only because it's the right thing to do, but also out of fear that he may face profiling or be considered a criminal. As an educator, I've also had similar conversations with my high school students. Mr. President, what will you and your administration do to better prepare our law enforcement officers to work in collaboration with the communities that they serve and also to protect the lives of innocent black and Latinos from police brutality and injustice? Right. I fully understand the question. And uh, I saw everything that you saw over the summer, and it was a terrible thing, a terrible thing to watch. Uh, we. Uh, we're very strongly. We have a, a senator named Tim Scott from South Carolina. He came up with a bill that should have been approved. It was great. It was a bill that was strong in terms of law enforcement and strong in terms of enforcing the proper thing and doing the proper thing by law enforcement. And the Democrats just wouldn't go for it. They wouldn't go for it at all. And I don't know why, because it was a really great bill. But I do have to say this. 
And some people don't like it when I say it, but a lot of people agree. I have done more for the African-American community than any president, with the exception of Abraham Lincoln. Criminal justice reform, prison reform, historically black colleges and universities. I got them funded. They were on a year-to-year -year basis. They could have been put out of business. As soon as our country had a little bad year, they would have said, I'm sorry, we're not going to fund you. I got them 10-year funding and financing, and more than I even asked for. I became very friendly with a lot of the heads. But we've done more, and of course, opportunity zones. But criminal justice reform, everybody said it could, it could not be done. President Obama and Biden never even tried to do it. They never even tried. But I say that, and I say it often, I'll say it loud, and I'm very proud of it. And I have a great relationship because of what I've done with the African-American community. I'm very proud of it. Let's go to our Thank next you. question. We have Paulette Dale. She leans slightly to Biden. She voted for Clinton in 2016. She's registered as a Republican. Paulette, what's your question? Thank you. Good evening, Mr. Thank President. You. Thank you very much. I have to say, you have a great smile. Thank you. Okay. Thank as, you. So, he does. You're so handsome when you smile. Okay. As the daughter of immigrants to the United States who fled Eastern Europe due to religious persecution, right. uh, the United States immigration policies are very personal for me. Right. Surveys show that most Americans and the majority of Republicans support the DREAMers program. So, my question for you, Mr. President, is if you are elected to a second term, do you expect to pursue your previous efforts to cut the DACA program? Yeah. Why or why not? And the DACA, DACA is somewhat different than Dreamers. You understand that, and you understand it better than anybody probably in this room. Where do you come from, by the way, originally? Where? My grandparents were from Russia and Poland. That's very good. Okay. So, we are going to take care of DACA. We're going to take care of Dreamer. We, it's working right now. We're negotiating different aspects of immigration and immigration law. We've built now over 400 miles of border wall, southern border. Mexico is working very closely with us. We have the strongest border we've ever had. We want people to come into our country. They have to come in legally. But we are working very hard on the DACA program, and you will be, I think, very happy over the course of the next year. Thank you. Because I feel the same way as you do about it. Thank you, Mr. Thank President. Thank you. Thank you very Mr. much. Mr. President, in point of fact, the DACA program, there are, under your administration, no new applicants are allowed. And in fact, the DACA recipients now have to renew every year as yeah. opposed to every two years. So in fact, the DACA program has been well, curtailed by your administration. Well, what happened is because of the pandemic, much changed on the immigration front. Uh, Mexico is heavily infected, as you know, and we've made it very, very difficult to come in because of the pandemic and other reasons and crime. But we have a very strong border right now, and we have to keep it that way. But we want people to come into our country, but they have to come in through a merit system, and they have to come in legally. And people are very, very happy with it. You haven't heard any complaints about that. But what happened is, because of the pandemic, we have to be extra cautious. You have been promising this immigration bill since, well, at least July, when you told my colleague on well, Telemundo no, it was it's, coming, but it's, nothing's it's, come yet. It's very happy. that The fact is, we got rid of catch and release, which is a disaster. 
You know, you catch somebody, they could be a murderer, they could be a rapist, and we're supposed to release them into our country. These are the laws that I inherited. We ended that program. Now, I think you're going to see something very, very good. The, the whole immigration, if you look at what's going on, people used to pour into our country, and especially during the pandemic, I think you'll be very, I think even you, Savannah, will be very impressed. Sir, with we have about doing. 30 seconds sure. left. I think about people sitting out there tonight. There are some who love you. Some of them are sitting right around here and some who will never vote for you. But there are people in the middle. There are people who aren't sure. That's right. There are people who want to know why they should give you a second chance and how you might improve in a second term. 30 seconds, what would you say to them? Because I've done a great job. We had the strongest economy in the world. We closed it up. We are coming around the corner. The vaccines are coming out soon, and our economy is strong. We are at a level with jobs like we've never been before. We've rebuilt our military. We've rebuilt our borders. We had no borders. We had no nothing. We've rebuilt so much. We've given you the greatest tax cut in the history of our country, greatest regulation cut, equally as important. And we created new levels of jobs that nobody thought was possible. And next year is going to be better than ever before. I got to leave it there. I got a, a wrap from the, the control room. Mr. President, thank you for your thank time. You thank you for listening thank to the voters' so questions. That concludes our town hall. We do want to thank the president again, as well as our audience in hot Miami and all of you watching at home. And a reminder, Donald Trump and Joe Biden are scheduled to meet in person a week from tonight in Nashville, a second and final presidential debate moderated by our own Kristen Welker. Have a good evening and thanks for being with us.